Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast, and I am one of the preachers here at GFC. We've been studying uh, in the book of Proverbs, uh, among many things, the idea of wisdom, and we've been applying this to the topic of sexual immorality throughout the past several weeks. And have you ever wondered why sexual immorality is such a prevailing sin? I mean, among all of the sins that fallen humanity commits, that one seems to just be everywhere. And it has so many different appearances. Maybe you yourself have struggled with this sin. Maybe you've struggled for years. And maybe you've asked yourself the question, why? Why? Why does this particular sin have so much power in my life? I've asked myself this question, and I'm certain that there are many of you here this morning who have as well. And I think that this morning's text gives us a tremendous tool. It answers this question for us this morning, and it helps us in that fight. Sexual immorality, friends, is so effective at seduction because of the way in which it seduces, how it seduces us. Friends, sexual immorality seduces by perverting wisdom. Sexual immorality seduces by perverting wisdom, friends. And that is tremendously powerful because wisdom is what God himself built into the fabric of the world as one way to woo us into a relationship with him. That is the goal of wisdom. But it becomes twisted by sexual immorality into something terrible. And because of that twisting, that perversion, friends, the very thing that wisdom does to bring us life and relationship with the Lord becomes twisted into something which brings death. So this morning's text, which is Proverbs 7, that's on page 498 if you have one of the church Bibles, exposes for us this morning how Sexual immorality seduces and thereby slaughters by perverting wisdom. This morning's chapter is laid out as a parable, as a story that we will read this morning. And so we're going to start in the beginning with the search for satisfaction, which we'll find in verses 6 through 9. And then we're going to hear four ways of how sexual immorality seduces by perverting wisdom. And that will lead us ultimately to the slaughter that is the end result. Before returning finally, point four on your outline, to the security which can be found surrounding this parable in verses 1 through 5 and then 24 through 27. So let's start this morning by reading the whole text together before we dig in. Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. 
Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice. And I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward her feet do not stay at home now in the street now in the market and at every corner she lies in wait she seizes him and kisses him and with bold face she says to him i had to offer sacrifices and today i have paid my vows so now i have come out to meet you to seek you eagerly i have found you i have spread my couch with coverings Colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have spread or I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chamber of death. Let's look first at the search that is occurring here in verses 6 through 9. Starting in verses 6 through 9, the author sets the scene for this parable. And we can already see the very first perversion of wisdom that occurs, which is this idea of what is being sought. The author starts by establishing three characters. The observer in verse 6 who is watching this scene and passing judgment, the young fool in verse 7, and the adulteress in verse 8. The premise of this parable is that the fool begins by searching for something. He's looking for something. And in verse 7, the author says that this young man is lacking sense. It's a very polite way to put it. But we immediately see why. 
because he's passing along the street corner where he knows that this character of the adulteress is to be found. Verse 8 says that he is taking the road to her house. His destination is already clear to everyone in this story from the very beginning. What is he searching for and where is he searching for it? Well, he's searching for it on the street that leads to her house. And so this parable begins with a crucial perversion. The perversion of what we are seeking. The book of Proverbs has been laying out for us up until this point the argument for seeking wisdom. Friends, God has built into us a desire to seek Him. But we see here the antithesis for this search. If wisdom is in fact a journey towards the Lord... And foolishness is a journey away from him. Then friends, we should all, as we read the intro to this parable, cry out in alarm. We should be yelling warnings at the screen. We should see here that the very goal that this man has been searching for has been perverted. We know where this journey leads. We all know it from the very beginning. And it is not leading to a good place, friends. We see here not wisdom, but anti-wisdom. We see furthermore that this is happening at the most vulnerable time. Not the way of righteousness which Proverbs 4 verse 18 said was like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. No, friends, the author here says four times in verse 9, the opposite, the twilight, the evening, the time of night and darkness. It is not getting lighter And lighter, friends, but it is getting darker and darker. So we should say, no, 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 no. This is all wrong. It is all wrong, friends, from the very, very beginning. So how does this apply? Friends, God has built into you a desire to seek. To seek according to wisdom. To search for wisdom and eventually to find God. But anti-wisdom perverts that truth, friend. It perverts that search. And it replaces God with the object of your desire. And so you will be forever searching, unsatisfied for the next image, the next feeling, the next person who you hope will satisfy you. 
And you will pursue, friends, that sexual desire down more and more extreme and destructive paths. Because the fundamental truth is that our desire to seek can never be satisfied apart from the Lord Jesus. You will never satisfy yourself by seeking sexual immorality. But the search has been built into you. And so that is the first perversion that comes. The first aspect of wisdom that is twisted. But it will not be the last. So in point two, the parable continues. Verses 10 through 20. We're given four examples of how this seduction happens. By comparing this character of sexual immorality, this character of adulterous, to the personification of wisdom. We have these two characters that I think the author wants us to compare. Here in chapter 7, the personification of sexual immorality is that adulteress. And it should remind us to go back to chapter 1 where we saw the personification of wisdom. So in this next section, we will be going back and forth between chapter 1 and chapter 7. First, in verses 11 and 12 here in chapter 7, we see sexual immorality pervert the proposal of wisdom. She seduces by perverting wisdom's proposal. That's the first of our four things. In chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, the personification of wisdom does this. She cries aloud in the streets, in the markets. She raises her voice and at the head of noisy streets, she cries out. Friends, by God's grace, we are not only built to seek wisdom, but wisdom is seeking us as well. But look at the perversion of anti-wisdom here in chapter 7, 11, and 12. Sexual immorality is loud and is likewise seeking the young man. She goes now in the street, now in the market, and now at every corner. Friends, both wisdom and anti-wisdom are seeking you. And they are not subtle. They are loud. But what is the difference between them? Verse 11 says that the steps of sexual immorality are wayward. That is that they twist you out of the path of following the Lord. Because sexual immorality seduces by offering a proposal. It perverts the proposal of wisdom. What does this mean, friends? How do we apply this this morning? Do not be seduced by the proposal of sexual immorality. Both wisdom and sexual immorality are not hard to find. 
They're not hard to find. They are actively calling to you. So the question is not if you will encounter them. The question is how will you respond to their proposal? That is the first of our four seductions. Secondly, in verse 13 through 15, sexual immorality perverts wisdom's peace. She seduces by perverting wisdom's peace. The adulterous character describes the vows and the sacrifices that she made before God in this verse. And these were not just any sacrifices that she's describing, but they refer specifically to the peace offering. Leviticus 7, 11 through 21 describes for us in detail this peace offering, what was ordained by God as a way for his people to voluntarily seek a restored relationship with him. How did they seek this? Through a substitutional sacrifice that they brought. This was not a required sacrifice, but a voluntary one. And it was the only sacrifice that was laid out in Leviticus uh, where those who brought this sacrifice were allowed to eat a portion of that sacrifice themselves. It wasn't all burned up or given to the priests, but they could partake of that sacrifice themselves. Why? Because it allowed God to symbolically share a meal with his people. This sacrifice brought a holy God and sinful man to the same table, friends. They could both enjoy a new fellowship because of the sacrifice that was brought on their behalf. And they were allowed to share in a portion of it themselves. But look, friends, at the perversion of this peace in Proverbs 7, verse 14. Friends, sexual immorality doesn't want to share a table with God, but to replace God with the object of desire. Look at why she says she offers these sacrifices. Not so that she could be closer to God, but she says in verse 15, so that I could come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. And what has she found? I have found you. Friends, sexual immorality seduces by perverting wisdom's peace. The peace with God that is offered by him is twisted into a peace with ourselves. What does this mean today? Do not be seduced by the peace that is offered by sexual immorality. Both wisdom and sexual immorality 
point out to us, friends, that there is a conflict in our heart. Wisdom and sexual immorality both recognize your need for a deep relationship. They both recognize your need for peace. But where wisdom calls you to restore your relationship with God, anti-wisdom leads you to restore your relationship with yourself by taking his place. How do we achieve peace by following sexual immorality? By overthrowing the rule of God in our hearts. The third thing that sexual immorality perverts in verses 16 through 18 is wisdom's payoff. She seduces by perverting wisdom's payoff. In chapter 1, verse 23, we see the personification of wisdom promise a blessing for those who listen to her reproof. She says that she will pour out my spirit to you and make my words known to you. Friends, wisdom promises the eternal, uncorruptible life, the delight of mind and spirit. What is the perversion that anti-wisdom offers in chapter 7? Verses 16 and 17. She promises the temporal delights of our senses. Look at the sensual language that's used to describe the preparations that have been made for this couple. Verse 16, sight, colored linens. Verse 17, scent and touch, perfumes, aloe. Even hearing and taste, if you include these smooth words that she's been speaking and this promised participation in the food brought from the sacrifice in verse 15. Friends, this is the payoff that is offered by anti-wisdom. It is a delight to the senses. And look at how this offer makes something so temporary seem so lasting. In verse 18, she says, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. In essence, she says, look how long this payoff lasts. It lasts all night. Wow, really? All night? What a great payoff. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anti-wisdom promises that you can have your fill until morning. But is that really the payoff that we hope it is? It's not. Again, wisdom warns us in Proverbs 1 verse 31. The truth 
of this promise. Wisdom says that the fool will indeed eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. The very thing that sexual immorality promises, wisdom says they will get. But wisdom understands, friends, that what they are being filled with is not love. It's death. Sexual immorality seduces us by perverting wisdom's payoff. How does this aspect apply? Do not be seduced by the payoff that is offered by sexual immorality. Be so careful, friends. Be so careful when your heart promises to give you everything that you deserve. The satisfaction of your flesh. A relief from the stress that you face every day. Feelings of intimacy that sexual immorality promises will fulfill you. In fact, apart from Christ, getting what we deserve is the most terrible curse that there is. It's death, friends. So do not be seduced by this offered payoff. The fact that that death is inevitable brings us to the fourth thing that sexual immorality perverts in verses 19 and 20, which is wisdom's protection. Friends, sexual immorality seduces by perverting wisdom's protection. Once again in chapter 1, verse 32 and 33, wisdom explains that the complacency of fools destroys them. But, however, whoever listens to me, that's wisdom, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. That is what wisdom offers, friends. But I can bet you can guess how anti-wisdom perverts this promise of protection. Verse 19. My husband is not at home. Verse 20, he's gone for at least a month. There is absolutely no chance of us getting caught. No one will ever have to know. No one will even be hurt. He's got a bag of money. He's fine. We are protected. We are secure to have our fill of our delights until morning. Friends, sexual immorality seduces us by perverting wisdom's protection. Not just, not sorry, by perverting wisdom's protection, not a protection that lasts, not a security 
with ease, without dread of disaster for eternity, friends. But for the temporal. But we were warned. We were warned from the very beginning of this parable, weren't we? Everybody knows where this is going. Where is it going? What is the ultimate climax of this grand seduction? Is it protection? Is it life? Is it satisfaction? No, friends. We know that it is not. We see the result of this seduction in point three on your outline. The result of this great seduction is in verses 21 to 23. It is an inescapable, bloody slaughter. Friends, it's like a mighty ox in verse 22. Strong and potent and powerful who is dragged mutely by a rope to the place of sacrifice to have its throat slit and its blood pumped out onto the ground. Or it's like A proud stag in verse 23. Unaware of the hunter's sights that are trained on him. Ignorant of the drawn bow, the wicked arrow, until the moment where his vital organs are pierced and he collapses without strength alone in the woods. Or friends, it's like a bird who is lured by his senses down into a snare which invites it in openly to be satisfied until the noose snaps closed, breaking its neck or choking the life from it slowly. This is gruesome, friends. Because it is, because it is, the seduction leads to a slaughter, and we all know it. Friends, sexual immorality is proven to be what we always knew she was. The great anti-wisdom seduces by perverting wisdom. And leading us to our inevitable death. Friends, this text shows us that wisdom is proven to be trustworthy. She will, she will fulfill all of her promises from chapter 1. Including the one to those who choose to ignore her call. She says in chapter 1, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me. 
but I will not answer. Friends, we must learn from the slaughter of sexual immorality before it is too late. We must recognize sexual immorality for what it is. It is a perversion, a twisting of wisdom. And that is why it is so seductive. It has such power because it twists God's promises for life and it uses those things as the fabric of its trap for our death. Why is this sin so prevalent in our world? Because we deceive ourselves and we search not for true wisdom, but for anti-wisdom and our own self-love, friends. And so this morning, Proverbs 7 is calling out for us to hear. It's calling for us to listen. God is calling us to listen, friends, and to leave the ranks of the simple not to be seduced by wisdoms or by sexual immorality's false love, but instead to be wooed by the heart of God and His true love. That, friends, is where we must turn and where the book of Proverbs leads us. That there is a security from this trap. The last point on our outline, friends, we see in these verses that surround this parable of death, a hope for life. Friends, it is the hope of Jesus Christ that is calling to us this morning. Look all the way back to verse one, which says, my son, keep my words, treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Then at the end, verse 24 says, Sons, listen to me. Be attentive to my words. Friends, where does our security come from? Our security comes from hearing the word of God and by obeying his commandments. Our security comes from Jesus. Jesus, who is the word in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Our security comes from Jesus, who is the Christ 1 Corinthians 1, the Christ who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Friends, Jesus is the true wisdom from God who makes peace with him possible. Do you see How all of these things that we think we are getting from sexual immorality are absent 
in sexual immorality and are present in Christ. He is the peace offering. He died as the sacrifice that we can partake of him together with the Lord. He is the hope that we have of righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is our wisdom, friends. He became our peace offering. And he is the sacrifice that restores our relationship with God. Why did he do this, friends? Not so that we could use him in our own endeavor for personal gratification. Not so that he would be the anti-wisdom which allows us to move towards ourselves. But so that he would be the true wisdom that lets us move toward God. And so verse 5 of Proverbs 7 says that wisdom will Keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress and her smooth words. Because Jesus Christ is the true wisdom, the true love that sexual immorality only perverts. Where Jesus brings life, he brings only, or sexual immorality brings only slaughter. Friends, verse 26 and 27 conclude our passage this morning with a final entreaty, a final warning. Many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Friends, how does this apply this morning? Learn from those who have been killed by sexual immorality. Do not let your heart be seduced. Do not seek her or stray onto the path of anti-wisdom. Instead, friends, pursue with all of your heart the wisdom of God. Seek Jesus with everything that you are. Make his words your intimate friend. This starts by recognizing the perversion of wisdom that is sexual immorality. Her ways are the way of Sheol, of death. But then it goes on, not just to turn away from sexual immorality, but to seek the path of Jesus Christ. Because everything that she offers is not only inferior to the true love of Christ, but it leads only to death. So this morning, I leave you with this last thing. Please cling to the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom, who is the word, and who is the sacrifice for you. He is your only security before God, the true love of Jesus. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for Jesus Christ. Lord, we repent of the times that we have sought ourselves, that we've turned to sexual immorality, hoping for life. God, that we have been seduced from you who is our true love, God. Please draw us back to you. Thank you, Father, for the sacrifice of your son. God, that you wanted so badly to restore relationship with us. That you died, God, to be with us. May we never seek to take that place. God, may you rule in our hearts always. We thank you, Father, for this word and for this time this morning. And for your love above all else, God. Amen.